this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to the Dig Me Out Union at Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining at Patreon forward slash patreon.com forward slash dig me out. Jay? Yeah. We're Let's back. Get into it. We're, we're back with another one of our patron selected episodes. And we have joining us again. It's been about a year. That's how these mm-hmm. things work. Twelve months is about a year. So every <laughs> about the same time. It is weird. About the same time each year people join us. And uh, it was last March. And uh, this episode is the first week of March. So see how that works. Time moves in a consistent manner, Jay. Um, which might also be the lyrics to one of the uh, songs we're going to talk c- about. Well, it's a flat circle. <laughs> there, yes, thank you, Ru- Cole Rust or Russ Cole or whatever the character's name was. Uh, Josh Baylor is back with us. Welcome back, Josh. Hey, thank you very much for having me on again. And uh, yeah, I was um, really excited to get to this one. This is going to be some pretty new territory for this podcast here. Uh, I like it. We I like, like new territory. New, yeah. New, new places we haven't explored. Tell us and our listeners what your pick is and why you picked it okay well my pick is um probably uh it's the big breakout album i would say from finnish metal band uh nightwish known as uh one of the pioneers in uh, uh the subgenre known as symphonic metal um they had one they released one album before Oceanborn but it was it was basically just a demo and even like the uh the lead songwriter for the band has said it never should have been released so he considers this like their real first album and this was the one that really got them started to make them stars throughout Europe and they eventually later on got them to a career that le- later on led in some surprisingly good chart success in the US as well much later but this is where it really started and that's part of why I picked it. It's um, you know, the album that kind of started to make Nightwish a household name, and at least uh, in their home country and elsewhere in, in Europe. And it's still most widely considered to be their best album even today. I'm gonna start out by saying I will not be pronouncing the name of any member of this band. It is, <laughs> I, it is impossible for me to do so. Other than their current lead singer's name is Floor Jansen which sounds like a hockey player for uh, the Rangers in the 1980s. Uh, (laughs) But other than that, I could not begin to pronounce anyone's name. I know they've gone through different lead singers. Uh, Floor is the current lead singer, but was not on the album we're reviewing. That was, I don't know. I believe uh, Taria Tuonen, I believe that would be. Sure. And... um, as you mentioned, they're from Finland. Uh, Kiti mm-hmm. is the name of the city, or Kitty, or K-I-T-E-E is the name of the city. Um, yes. They have... Uh, how many... I was looking up their uh, discography. So you mentioned the first album came out in 97. That's the one that you said was primarily demos. 
or yes. or sort of like a uh, I, I think I read it, that it was more like folk oriented. Yes, that's all. And and there and also their their one single from the album was a song about Jesus. So it's really out of place with other right. later work. Gotcha. And they've overall released eight albums. The most recent one was Endless Forms, Most Beautiful in 2015. Uh, yes. They've been pretty consistent every two to three years. Um, looks like had a, an album out. Except for, well, yeah. there was a break 2007 to 2011. There was a longer break. But fairly consistent. And um, from what I've read of the numbers regarding uh, sales, like one of the more successful um you know, artists in Finnish history, I think they're like third in total sales for um, a musical entity in Finland. And they're oh. in the Finnish Music Hall of Fame. Wow. Oh, I actually wasn't aware of that part. Yes. Is, uh, is Hanoi Rocks before or after them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I there's... Um, it's the only other Finnish rock band I know. So they were... They were they became members of the Finnish uh, Music Hall of Fame in 2018, actually last October. They're only the 11th member. So that's a pretty mm-hmm. small hall. I mean, that's literally like a hallway. That's not yeah. like a full building worth of, you know, busts like the like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I wonder if I wonder if that's like a, uh, you know, just sort of a lobby. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. You need to maybe you need to add a few more people. I think Hanoi Rocks maybe. Uh, Hanoi the... Rocks is number one. Michael oh, Monroe's number two, and then Nightwish is number three. I'm kidding. <laughs> I believed you. <laughs> oh, it's actually it's being built in the Mall of Tripla, and it's going to be open in the fall of 2019. And the uh, it doesn't list who is else is in there but i assume that means i'll probably have a few at least a few more people by then by the time it opens i would hope i hope so i hope so but uh okay well that's interesting that they've uh oh wait there's a wikipedia i was looking looking at that too but i didn't see anything about who's in it let's get back on track here yep we did get some comments, a few. It was just the Scott Block just chi- chimed in with their comments, Jay. Um, Scott are Witt. Back, are they back on the same team again, or now are they? Well, sort of. So Scott okay. Witt said, uh, never could get into them because of the keyboards. They're definitely an important band, huge overseas. Um, We'll get into this, you know, some of the stuff with the band in terms of the sound and instrumentation. And then um, Scott Witt, who I'm not sure when he posted. It might have been late at night. He did not care for the cover artwork. Um, I won't go into all the specific details, but it just he took him three posts to uh, express his displeasure with the album artwork. <laughs> So, which is definitely, I'll say unique, is a word. Uh, I don't know if it's representative of the sound or, like, representative of, I don't know. It's uh, It's got a lot going on. There's a lot of symbolism there. Yeah. 
we, we I was I was looking at it uh, and my wife walked by and she's like staring at it for a second. She's like, "Is there a wolf inside of the lizard inside of the lizard's eye that's an ocean?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. I think it's just the earth." Oh, I didn't even but like oh. every level, every layer of it, it's like there's like another thing inside a thing inside a th- it's like a Russian doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like just a general thing with the planets. Like that that's a theme that um will be that we'll probably discuss later, but it, it shows up in their uh in their music in this album. So how did you come across them initially? Oh, this is going to be quite a story. So, believe it or not, I actually learned about Nightwish probably in like the early, somewhere around the early 2000s, 2003 or so. Learned about it uh, via the internet and specifically um, through my involvement in tournaments for fighting games like Street Fighter and Tekken and that kind of stuff. Like, because around that time, that like 2003, 2004 period, where a lot of, uh, you started seeing like people who make videos of the games, like videos of like, you know, combos and stuff. And they started, they used a lot of Nightwish in these videos and it just got really, and it just kind of got really popular within this community from there. And that's where I first discovered them. And it just blew me away. The very, the very first, the very first song of theirs I ever heard was not on this album. It's one from another, a bit later album, but it just blew me away that I didn't know there was anything that could sound like this. Uh, just the idea, because uh, we'll just get this out of the way now. The basis, so the main idea of this band is it's kind of like a, well, what I mentioned symphonic metal earlier. So it's meant to be like they use oftentimes synths or sometimes an actual orchestra, which they would use later on. But it, they combine that with you know the heavy guitars, the metal sound, and and a fem and a legit like female opera singer. So it's put all that together. It just blew my mind when I heard this, and I just immediately got on the internet to learn more and I ended up buying like all of their albums at the time. And actually I even went to see them live in 2007, I believe. Where? In Cleveland. That was a, I believe it was Peabody's they played. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. And I assume they, it looks like there's a lot of people in the band. So is everything yeah. live? Is there any tracks or is it all pretty much um, performed? It's all performed live except for the only thing would be uh, the only thing that would be on a track would be some of the stuff the stuff on their later albums that had a live orchestra. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it's hard to replicate that even with like a synth you know a good synthesizer, right? It's, you know. All right, let's get into this record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Oceanborn by Nightwish. Well, I I've got I, I've got some familiarity with these types of bands, I guess. I, I don't know. I haven't gone deep in the symphonic metal, but I definitely was a Dream Theater fan early on, which this band has elements of in terms of the progressive yep. kind of epic rock sound. I've I go through like cycles, and maybe like every five years, I'll deep dive in some genre subgenre of like more of like a power metal kind of theme. I don't like cookie monster vocals so i like melodic stuff that has a lot of power so like um a band i got into for a while was called i think they're called tire t-y-r they're like a viking metal band and i have my dragon force era so Mm. like i go through eras of like 
these subgenres of power metal. Um, so some of this is was familiar to me. I think what I liked about it, or was at least um, most intrigued by, was the use of the opera singer. So you'll hear a lot of bands maybe referred to generically as having an operatic singer. Mm-hmm. Um, you might even hear like a Bruce Dickinson and refer to that way. This is really an opera singer. Like it's a totally different thing. Um, the way they sing is just unique um, and you don't hear it very much in any kind of pop music in the broadest term um, application. So to be able to bring that in is definitely out of the gate sets this band apart from a lot of the other stuff that I'm um, would be familiar with. So even though some of the runs um, they'll do like the double kick runs with like the locked up melodies between the guitars and the keyboards that are really intricate, that that's kind of a dream theater theme you'll hear some like classic rainbow deep purple-esque kind of guitar riffs here and there. Like there's a lot of familiar elements that you hear other bands do. But for me, it's the vocal um, on the record that is really sets it apart. Um, And it's just interesting to hear how it's, um, how it's able to fit in with the mix. Cause it's, it's a difficult, I mean, opera singers are supposed to, I think, and in practice fill a lot of space. So it's interesting to hear with this much going on, like how they can separate the vocal out so you can actually um, appreciate it. Uh, it doesn't kind of just become a mud of sounds. Um, and I'll say the same thing for the uh, like the orchestral elements, uh, whether they be synth or real um, real strings or whatever's going on there. You know, a lot of bands that try have done that, um, say Metallica, you know, or you know when you get those symphonic albums, they kind of just sound like. A little muddy like everything melds together and you just get one big chord um you don't really hear like all the different instruments and you kind of lose the whole point of an orchestra on this everything's very separated um which is really hard to do i mean with the amount of layering and tracks i mean sometimes the vocals are doubled sometimes the guitars are doubled you got all kinds of keys going on you got a flute that comes in and out like you got a lot of stuff going on Uh, but it's remarkably like discernible and layered um, in, in terms of like separated. Um, so, I mean, from that standpoint too, I mean, you get the big power of the symphonic sound, but you can kind of break it down and understand every element that's adding up to it. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that, you know, coming in from kind of having some metal background to be able to hear all this come together in a really unique way and then be able to d- dissect it. So th- those are some of the things I thought were unique about the record that I enjoyed. I'll uh, I'll say, aside from pinpointing certain things, I really I, spending a lot of time with this record, as I mentioned to Josh before the show, because I was traveling, so I was it was with me in my um, inner ear monitors for multiple days for multiple hours. I just put it on a loop. Wow. I just like the ambition of it. Like it's so over the top compared to what I normally listen to that. You know, hearing these, like you mentioned, like the double kick and this 
very orchestrated, you know, string sections and whether they're real or, or keyboard. And then this, you know, amazing singer over top of it that I have no frame of reference to. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go along for the ride. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> this is like insane. Like it sounded crazy to me, but like, it also made sense. Like I could, I could understand song structure, but when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like I'm listening to like classical music in, in, in the way that things are phrased and in, and in the way that, um, you know, what, you know, progressions are being played. Like I could, if I played this for someone who was into like, you know, who really knew classical music, they could probably be like, well, that was influenced by this, you know, symphony, or this was influenced by, you know, this, you know, uh, piece or what have you, because I can hear like that level of musicianship in the, in the songwriting but to like, I I didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> like I don't understand how you how you even come up with the idea of like putting this all together. Like it seems so ambitious to the point where it'd be like you just give up. Like and yet they pull it off in a way that like they have songs that make sense from a I don't want to say pop because that's not the right word, but they're rock songs at their core in ways that are, you know, verses and choruses and that kind of stuff. And I can understand them in that respect, but then there's also this, this insane layer of musicianship on top of everything um, from everybody. It's not just that she's an opera singer. It's just, it's everybody is, you know, in it, uh, at the top of their game um, yeah. that, uh, you know, it just uh it just kind of is mind boggling. So um yeah, I just dug it from a just a overall presentation and and you know yeah. what the whole vibe was to the whole record. I, I wanna hit on a note that you, you were talking about there in terms of you know, this might be the kind of thing where, you know, a lot of people are gonna look at it and be like, Oh, that's not my kind of music. Um I find this to be like there are moments where cranking this kind of thing is just a lot of fun and it just fits like if you're trying to crank on some work or like you just need something that's just high energy and kind of just epic and over the top like you were saying like every now and then and you just kind of set aside like all your preconceptions and whatever and you just go with it and it can be a lot of fun you know so you know, these are, I, I'm familiar with this kind of stuff, like I said, but even if you're not, it just can be a lot of fun to crank a band like this and just go through a record and, you know, when you're driving or it's probably great to play video games too, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I would definitely say it's it, it can be occasion music for some people who maybe normally right. not open to this kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good point because in the same way that when I listen to like, you know, Brian Eno or Harold Budd or whatever ambient music to like set a particular mood for like when I'm writing or something like that. Uh, I had this on <laughs> uh, earlier this week. Um, I got a Lego kit because my daughter's really in the Legos right now. So I got a Lego kit for the Tron, uh, <laughs> the, the Tron <laughs> sequel that has the yeah. two light cycles and it has, uh, 
you know, one bad guy character and then the two, the male and female character, and they each have swords. And we had this playing, and we were like having sword fights and like <laughs> doing all these things with the light cycles, like racing them around the table. I'm like, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. And you probably got the Legos together in about two and a half minutes with this on. Well, I also worked to it, and it was like I was speeding uh, through those expense reports. Uh, like that's what I'm saying. It's like a shot of speed. It it, it is. It's very dramatic. And I'll and I you know, I'll joking aside, like I could totally if I don't like to write to music that has vocals because I I get a little distracted. But like, there are enough parts in here where I could put one of these songs on. I think one of the songs is mostly instrumental. Um, that that would be like a great song to write a if I needed a, like a high energy, you know, uh, a, a, an action scene I was writing or something like that for a, a you know like a fiction piece. Um, I would totally put that on like that. That's like I, when I do that previously, I would put on like say, uh, the Mad Max Fury Road <laughs> soundtrack mm-hmm. is a really good one to to write to if you're like want to get amped to write something. Uh this this would be like perfect music which i don't want to sell this as like i mean yeah this is like metal and it's over the top but there's also like a diversity to it i think it's track six swanheart know it shows off a different side to the band that's you know more i don't want to say gentle but it's you know really you can really focus in on the vocal on that song and uh josh you had mentioned in your email about uh the bonus track sleeping sun mm-hmm. um i kind of feel like that's probably best as a, as a bonus track because this does sort of that Swanheart does that sort of thing but better i think in terms of being mm-hmm. a quieter song that builds so yeah i would definitely uh, agree agree with that so what did what immediately like worked for you when you heard this just right from the very opening notes of the first song like i that's still one of my uh, stargazers that's still one of my favorite songs in the album and it just hits you right away like it tells you what you're going to be in for and it's just going to be a shock for you if you're if you're not familiar with this kind of music like just hits you right away with that and you're just you're just into it the rest of the way like that that song is just it's it's a really good encapsulation of i think what uh, what night wish was about um and on top of that uh, just some of the really int- so i can i can answer somewhat uh, some of the um questions you had regarding the the instrumentation. So most of it was via synths and that's, uh, t- you know, Thomas, the band songwriter, he's also the keyboard player. So, you know, that's him on that stuff, but they do have like a, 
for this album, they had like a, a real like small orchestra that is uh, credited on the album. So okay, and yeah, but mostly, but it's most it's mostly synth. But I think you know, given that, um, I think you know, I'm really imp- impressed at how you know they do manage to make you know make it sound you know not not too cheesy most of the time anyway, and you know it, it is it gets that orchestral sound there, um, and and I just wrote like. I'm a sucker for like the, those big over the top operatic vocal sections, which again, Stargazers has one of those at a certain point. Uh, some of the other songs do, uh, you know, Devil in the Deep Dark Ocean has that, and so that that kind of thing. I just I just love that like over the top op those operatic vocal sections. Uh, it's one of my favorite things with this band. How is this um so is this a record you listen to regularly? Um not as much anymore. I I used to listen to this and all Night Witch's other stuff like all the time. They're yeah. they're a band that's uh I've I've kind of that's kind of fallen out of favor with me over time to some degree, but like this is probably the one album of theirs that I will still put in from time to time. So how is it aged for you when you put this on now compared to when you first heard it? What are your, any changes in your opinions? Um, definitely not. Was see, definitely yes. Now that um, I'm not overwhelmed by just the novelty of the whole concept here, which I definitely was when I was first listening to them. Um, now I, I like I'm not. I can actually like focus on individual elements of the songs because, as you mentioned, you know, there's a whole lot going on here, and it can be <laughs> kind of hard to to isolate one or two things and you know you're even just your first few times listening to this but i can do that now and i would say mainly it's like a lot of the lyrics are what just with nightwish in general what does not age well with me and part of why i'm not as big a fan of them these days just some of those they it just it just we get some of those weird awkward turns of phrase that kind of can kind of kill the mood for me at times and uh, that you know that can show up in their music it's like I guess that's why, you know, nowadays when I go back and listen, the track that you mentioned, the one song you mentioned that was an instrumental is my favorite off this album. Okay. Moon Dance? Yes, yes. Yeah. Jay, I wanted that to... Has little... okay. There's a little bit of a pirate song theme to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... yeah, that's one of those songs where I was like, is this, is this a, co- a cover from a musical? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is this the Pirates of Penzance? What's like, what... <laughs> I didn't know, but you know it's funny because, you know, joking about that, they do have like legit like 
metal cred. Like when I think of like a song like Passion in the Opera mm-hmm. that has that riff. Yeah. I mean that you you're like, okay, these guys are legit like into metal. <laughs> like yeah, that's a Zach Wilde style kind of guitar riff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I could totally hear that on an Ozzy album from you know mm. the the ninety or the eighties or something like that. Yep. Or nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sacrament of Wilderness is another one that I mentioned along with that as kind of similar to in that in that regard as like letting you know, yeah, like this is a, this is a metal band. So Jay, yeah, what doesn't work for you on this record? Well, I mean, the vocal is a, is a can be a hit and a miss. I think it makes it unique. I question sometimes why it needs to be doubled, or, or there's an extra harmony. Sometimes I, it almost <clears throat> gets in the way of the melody and just that style of singing. I'm so not used to it. Um, just the I don't know the register and the the, the technique. Um, can sometimes for me, you know, being a pop music fan, it makes it difficult to understand what the melody is and really get into the song because it's just so distant and above the music. Um, I, I, in, a, in a way, I, dynamically, that's what makes it kind of work because it's able to separate, but also the separation sometimes and just the technique make it hard to like get a hold of the songs all the time sure um they're a little bit fleeting like pulling me in to really um find the melodies and the and the hooks and get into the the theme and not be stepping away and analyzing it i think that's what one of the things i struggled with um the keyboards are hit and miss you know um they are borderline cheesy at times um, there's other times where like they really just commit to it and it, it kind of works. It's the way keyboards work sometimes is like, you just got to go all in and, and yeah. you can, you can yeah. pull it off. I tend to like, obviously the kind of the weirder use of keyboards, like the Riddler has a really cool keyboard sound and melody in there that almost gets into more of a blue oyster cult kind of feel, um, that I dig, you know, it has some darkness to it. It's a little bit more of a, vintagey kind of synth sound um mm-hmm. that i like um i'm not a big fan of the orchestra hit sound i just think of like the the yamaha keyboard you get and you start playing with the patches and you're like stink 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 you, you hit the, the <laughs> symphony hits you're like oh that's so cool and you just do that for an hour um every time i hear those I, that's all i can think of and they they pull those out here and there and it's those are a little um distracting and i don't know don't, don't quite work as well um you know, I, I do like the song structures. Um, they're not too long. I mean, with this kind of music, you're in for longer songs. I mean, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Um, Although it is, I mean, it's not terribly long in terms yeah. of yeah. it could these could have been eight minute long songs and they oh, yeah. keep them pretty reined in for this yeah, style. So, right. So in general, I'm okay with the song structure. Um, 
I, I wish some of the choruses were just much more melodic and hooky. Um, mm. it really just pay them off. You know what I mean? It would just, it'd be so great if it, that the, I guess the melodies were as epic as the, as the sound is sometimes, you know? And that's something I think that like a band, like for me, like dream theaters been able to crack as they can write a, a pretty good hooky chorus, which a lot of these bands kind of struggle with, um, that are more on the progressive metal or power metal or some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, per, uh, subgenre of metal. That's more, uh, major chord melodic. Um, but you know, technical, um, so I would love to hear some some more work on choruses here that really just take it to the whole other level, you know, bring all that epicness together into just a soaring chorus that you're singing along to all the time. Um, that doesn't necessarily happen. So, uh, I mean, th- those are some of the things that that um, that I think didn't work for me and I struggled with a little bit. Gotcha. I only really had two things that bugged me. One, I I didn't like when the guy sang. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yes, it's yeah, it's true. so out of place and yeah. awkward. Um, the other thing I didn't care for, and and you mentioning the major chord usage is probably why is I didn't love the use of piano because it's so bright. Yeah, that it like it because it st- it stands out so much when it when it is used. Um, more so than the synths even to me whether they're the 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 orchestra hits or the or the pads or what have you the the piano because it's playing in these like major scale runs a lot of the times it's just like this it's um it's just really above in in terms of the frequencies like just it's above everything else and it's it becomes the focus of whatever is going on at that point and um, I just that was the one thing that I wish was dialed back a little bit because it also then like reminded me of you know Trans Siberian Orchestra and like Christmas and yeah. stuff. So <laughs> it gets a little uh, yeah like schmaltzy Broadway kind of off Broadway thing. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera or something. Yeah, but um, I didn't you know it with her vocal because it's in that operatic style where it's um not as melody driven in the choruses i can understand especially with this being like their first like real album that they hadn't quite nailed that down yet now i know that the next singer is not quite the same in terms of i don't think she's a from what i read is a like an opera singer in the same way she was described more as a pop singer yeah Um, definitely she was not an opera singer at all so did the choruses and the and the hooks become a little more prevalent going forward yes for sure i can definitely i could even point you to some specific songs from the later albums but the hooky choruses have they definitely became more of a thing on their later albums what's weird is like i can totally hear in this band and and in this record from 1998 like where metal was going to go in a lot of ways in the early 2000s yeah. with you mentioned it in your email evanescence like i can hear yeah. evanescence sort of distilling some uh you know sounds out of this band and and some some of the more you know um aggressively sim- 
not quite symphonic but getting close there metal of the of the 2000s that um i didn't i didn't really know where that was all coming from so it was kind of weird but i would i i'm guessing that bands like nightwish probably played some part in that so you're you're a little more dialed into the metal scene than i am jay so i'm sure you're more familiar with you know yeah those sounds yeah I, i think this sounds definitely sounds um ahead of its time it's hard to believe this is a 1998 record um when you listen to it yeah it sounds like maybe five to ten years after that so yeah like I said, it was in 2003 when I first heard the band, and even at that, that time, that was still it was like nothing I'd ever heard before, and it just it just amazed me. So I think that's definitely uh, right on the money there. So do you find that there are um, deficiencies in this record that um, were maybe smoothed out or or you know, improved upon in later albums as the band further developed, Josh? Um, like I said, the main one is, like I said, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, getting more hooks into the choruses. That's definitely something that became more prominent later on. Even just their very next album after this had a huge hit single. That's like just a fantastic sing-along chorus. Um, uh, Wishmaster. Um, I would say after, other than that, um, they, the, what you mentioned about the piano sound being bright and all that, that's something that, again, I do think that they, that is a part that I would say improved over time, particularly with their, as they got more into the mid 2000s and onward, they started leaning more and more heavily on the full real orchestras. So that uh, probably uh, addresses a lot of that. Um, I think that they mentioned, if you go to Wikipedia, there's a quote yeah. um, from. Tumas, Tumas yeah. he says that we were all such amateurs when it came to recording. We didn't really know what we were doing, so we were just experimenting with a lot of different things. We even brought in this string trio who were complete shit, then another violin, <laughs> then another violin on top. So we ended up with Moondance having 20 tracks of violin just because we hadn't done this before and didn't know what we were doing. It's a pretty stuffed album, but I also think it's one of our best because you can hear the excitement of trying all these new things. It seems strange that this became the breakthrough album because back at the time, the music was so funny. It's really operatic, and when you look at the pictures, they look pretty horrific. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like it was him and one of the other guys who actually produced the record. So I can understand, like, you know, these guys are clearly proficient musicians but when you have to produce yourself that's Mm -hmm. always tricky and this is a tricky sound to produce especially with this being like your full full full-fledged record or your first full-fledged record yeah that's uh yeah yeah i can definitely tell you uh none of their records after this were self-produced so Mm. that makes sense so this didn't even come out in the US as far as I can tell. It has relabel, label releases in in obviously in Finland and then in also in all of Europe and then Japan, but there's no US label listed. Um in the, for so, uh, unless it got through like some sort of you know weird distribution that's not How did you get it? 
Okay. So, because it actually did get a U.S. release, but not at first. Um, okay. That's the case with all their all their albums from around this time, like their first three albums or so. Because, again, once we got into that 2003 period, then their records were actually, you could actually find them in, you know, your local record store or even Best Buy or Exchange or what have you. Because uh, Century Media released all their stuff up to that point in 2001, I believe, in the U.S. Oh, okay. And that yeah. was a... Um... A Sony, or well, it is now. It was bought by Sony in the 2010s. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, so that was a. So this this was a. This was released in the U.S., but not until 2001. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the credits on a uh, title, which is actually really nice because it puts full album credits and info for every album. The labels listed for it, the 2008 re-released are Fontana Universal, Fontana, and Spine Farm. Yeah, there are five different versions of this record. There's yeah. the original one, then there's a 1990 reissue with the bonus track Sleeping Sun. There's a Japanese version, which has the song Night Quest. Then there's the limited tour, European tour edition, which has the two songs plus a return to sea. And then the 2007 Spine Farm release, which then includes the live tracks Sleeping Sun, Swanheart, and the Pharaoh Pharaoh sails to Orion. So, and then I'm assuming uh, there's is there a vinyl reissue 180 gram in the last couple years of of this, or is that still on the way? Nope it uh, it happened in 2015. There you go. So now six different versions of this album. It's hilarious. <laughs> there should there should be there probably be a cassette day double cassette of this uh <laughs> or or i guess you could do it on a tdk 120 you could probably or a maxell 120 you could get it all on oh, there God. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about overall ratings on this record worthy album better ep decent single jay where do you fall uh, i'm at an ep um i like um Let's see, Sacrament of Wilderness, Passion in the Opera, Swanheart, The Riddler, Walking in the Air, I think is the, my favorite song on the record. Um, it's got uh, those Vinnie Appice-style drums, if you're into the, the later era, or middle era of Black Sabbath, you know, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, so I think it's a really powerful EP um, if, you know, you're not up for this kind of thing. A full record can be exhausting. There's a lot of information to take in. So <laughs> right. I, I think it's a good, you know, six song EP kind of, kind of album or kind of whatever thing. Um, musically for me, it's an album. Uh, I wish that well, whoever the guy, whatever guy singing, it wasn't singing on like yeah. the, the ones He's like on Devil in the Deep Dark Ocean and a couple Fair other ones. Run. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it works for me as a record. I mean, I, I like all the music sans the piano. So it's just, it's fun and it's wild. It's just wild. Like, I just, I'm just I listen to it. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? This is insane. Who did this? And I'm, and I, I, you know go start looking up YouTube videos and I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I just enjoyed it from that aspect that I was just like, I had no 
concept of what this was going to be going in and just came away like I was like the dude in the you know holding onto the chair like with his ears blown back like <laughs> like what so where the album for me Josh where are you at uh, yes where the album battery um, P Decent. so I'm kind of torn on this because honestly I'm not so big on the ballads in general with this band. That's a rule with me. Although walking in the air is fantastic and up there. At, it's close to my favorite song off this. So that one's great. But um, I feel like it's still probably overall more of a worthy album for me than an EP. Um, there's like a couple tracks on here I could live without, but I'm cool with all the rest. Uh, even like, like, Again, like you mentioned, the guy wishing the guy didn't sing. That's another thing that it got better as time went on. They got a better male singer eventually. Still not great in my opinion, but better than that, than this. Um, and Pharaoh sails to Orion would be that would be an, a fucking amazing. Sorry, I'm not gonna that amazing song <laughs> without without the without the male singer bit there, especially like that intro after after his bit is just um, that's what i think of when i think of symphonic metal that riff there there's just so many like there's a lot of great moments in this album and it can be uneven at times but overall there's well more, well enough good outweighing the bad to say a worthy album for me okay yeah when the when like the double kick uh you know and the really high vocal and the pharaoh sells to orion starts i'm like let's go where are we going? <laughs> Launch yeah, the spaceships. Is, you got to, uh, for the um, Game of Thrones premiere this season, you got to listen to a good hour of this before <laughs> to get ready. <laughs> Perfect. Josh, thanks so much for coming back and sharing this record with us. We have we have broken our symphonic, symphonic metal uh, cherry on this record. So thank you. All right. Right. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me on again. I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys enjoyed it as much as you did. So, yeah, we'll uh, maybe uh, see some more of this kind of stuff on here in the future. There's some other recommendations from the '90s I could possibly pull up. There's a uh, stuff even you know that came a little bit before this that was along somewhat similar lines. But yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Awesome. Uh, Want to remind everyone, patreoncom forward slash out is where you go to join us join the union you can get our cool stickers that jay has designed and uh at various levels you can vote for our roundtables, for our 80s episodes and everyone gets to vote for our album review episodes and anyone can submit so hey josh if you want to throw in another one of those suggestions just for the heck of it into our suggestion hopper feel free that I just may do. Thank you. I can be like Josh and just skip ahead in line and pick a record. There you go. <laughs> and if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, 
as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.